We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Alan Zaslowski of Rotowire.com. On today's episode, we're going to talk about players that are post-hype sleepers, meaning players that may have gotten some hype last year or the year before, didn't deliver, and now they're being forgotten about, but they shouldn't. We're also going to talk about some teams that might be flying under the radar and could be considered post-hype sleepers. My guest for today is Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis. Warren has compiled a 532-page 2023 football preview which can be found and purchased in the video description or audio description inside this podcast my discussion with warren dives deep into the team analytics player statistics and will reveal a few post type sleepers warren how many uh, fantasy football leagues are you gonna get yourself involved with this year Given all the other, you know, obligations, media appearances, betting stuff you're going to handle. So how many managed leagues are you going to get yourself involved with this year? You know, honestly, it's just, it's just one um, because I used to do a couple and, and I'm not really the, the strongest fantasy guy, but it used to be several. Now it's down to one. And honestly, I mean, that's really all I can all I can take. I think when you're when you're doing this stuff, you, you need to figure out how to budget your time properly. Uh, and, and for me, that's about it because of all the betting that I do, because of all the uh, sort of consulting that I'm doing behind the scenes as well. Uh, there's just not enough time to responsibly take on more. Now, that's where best ball has 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 helped, I think, a lot of people um, in, in their pursuits. So that's one thing that some people turn to, obviously. But in terms of managed leagues during the season, yeah, it's just my, my standard league that I've done for years. Yeah, uh, I envy you. We all envy you because uh, get ready to get your um, air sick bag. I'm going to be in 41 <laughs> managed leagues this year, and my life is hell, Warren. It's hell. Like, I, you know, I, I'm a busy guy. You know, I'm not maybe, you know, but it's just too much. And you're right. I start like not caring about certain leagues. It's it's bad. Like you become a suboptimal player the more you do. So but is this a long running league, the one that you're doing? Yeah, it's a it's a long running league. I've done it uh since several years out of college uh, with, with the same group of people, for the most part, people dip in and out. And, you know, honestly, like I'm sure in some of the leagues that you're in, like you're sad to see some of those guys go, but then like a year or two later, you kind of just deal with whatever you're dealing with at the time. And you don't really recall them. And so like, I don't, I never really felt that bad leaving some of the leagues and just scaling my life back and, and focusing more. I wonder with those 41 managed leagues, like <laughs> what, what, I know the draft is a rush, 
And so it's hard to plan out all of those drafts probably. But after that, like how challenging does it get, you know, three weeks into the season, four weeks into the season, especially with all the different rule structures and trying to figure out which players you want to acquire that, you know, you might've suffered an injury. There might be a guy that's popping on the waiver wire. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be time consuming there. Time consuming. I just told you my, it's like, it's, I need mental therapy by week two, Warren. So, but uh, everybody, it was called, if you don't know by now, we're here with Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis. He's here to promote his 2023 football preview and Warren, I, you know, every time I, I look through your book of, of predictions and stats, the one thing I I've always wanted to ask you, and this is what people asked me when I told them I was having you on, what is the one stat, if there is one, or the group of stats that you think is the most useful when you're actually doing like player analysis? Like just say wide receivers, for example, what's it? I, there's probably so many, but what is the one thing that you think can simplify the whole thing that we should look at in the book? Well, for me, so much of what I focus in on is what drives overall wins and losses. And I think um, game scripting is one of the most relevant parts of the book that you might be able to take. Now, we, we have a fantasy analyst, Rich Rebar, who mm-hmm. is outstanding and he contributes a ton, talks about every single player and some of his outlooks for those players, talks about coaching, how this player is going to fit into the system, talks about chemistry, talks about utility, usage. Um, all of those factors he, he's dealing with. But for me at a higher level, one of the biggest things that I'm doing when I'm breaking down what I expect out of these teams is I'm going back to last year. I'm studying what happened. I'm trying to identify the outlying reasons why a team performed with the record that they did, because I am not a subscriber to you are what your record says that you are, you know, the John Maddenism. I'm not a believer of that. I believe that certain teams have certain things go their way. And at the end of the year, we see the Minnesota Vikings with 13 wins in the playoffs, but that is not a 13 win team. And so I'm trying to understand what did they do? How did they get to those 13 wins? Who did they lose in free agency? Who did they gain in free agency? Who did they draft? Are there any coaches that came in or out of the program? And then what do I expect out of this team? And I'm doing that for all 32 teams. I'm also looking at then, we talked about several tentpole milestones, you know, when a uh, you got free agency, first of all, first you have coaching changes, then you have free agency, then you have the draft, but then you have the schedule release. And that's another element that actually factors into uh, beyond strength of schedule, which we already knew what your strength of schedule was um, the day that they released uh, the day that the week 18 games ended, we knew who you were going to play. We started getting better about understanding the strength of that schedule when the Vegas odds makers released their win totals. But where we really started to get another layer of understanding is when they actually released the dates of those games, because now we know the strength of your scheduled timing of games. Do you play teams that are at a rest disadvantage? Are you at a rest disadvantage? Because the league completely controls that element of it. And all of those things, like even that rest advantage or disadvantage, factors into what I think your game script is going to be for this upcoming season. And once I understand what your game script is going to be, how many games I think you might win or lose, that's where I'm going to get a better understanding as to kind of how much usage these wide receivers might get, because I'm going to be looking at total passing volume. I'm going to be looking at situations like, I mean, one of the things I'm looking at right now 
is uh, without diving too deep into a rabbit hole is like Kenny Pickett and George mm -hmm. Pickens, because obviously they're the talk of the town right now. How frequently were the Pittsburgh Steelers running the ball inside of the 20 yard line last year? How did that compare to when Matt Canada was calling plays in 2021? Because in Canada's 2021 season, he had a veteran Ben Roethlisberger and he actually called plays, I think, inside the 15 yard line. They called plays at a, I, I believe, pass plays at a 61% clip, which was number one pass rate in the NFL. Whereas last year with Kenny Pickett, they were like number 27 in pass rate inside the 15 yard line. And they only threw, I just tweeted out a metric now. They only had 12 total passing touchdowns, which is the lowest of any team in the NFL. And we know of the Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson uh, targets into the end zone that absolutely did nothing. So uh, I think George Pickens, his receiving prop right now is only three and a half at some spots. It's four and a half at plus juice at others. That's one. I don't like to bet a lot of preseason overs, mm. but that's one where I think there's some upside. And the reason I think that there's upside is not because of the fancy clips that I'm seeing uh, uh, him catching the ball because he is a freak. And obviously you love to see that if you're looking to back George Pickens, but it's the comments that Kenny Pickett is making in the offseason to the media. He's talking about that they've worked a lot on George Pickens in breaking routes this offseason. You saw him catch that touchdown in their last preseason game, which was an in-breaking route. Uh, they've been working on that and trying to figure out other ways to get him the ball, perfect his route running, because some of these guys, they come out, they're relatively unpolished from a route perspective. They've gotten by on talent, athleticism, ability to out-jump or make crazy catches, but they don't have that precision route running ability and I think Kenny Pickett now getting more trust from Matt Canada in this offense they'll throw the ball a little bit more down there I think the chemistry is building up with George Pickens so these are things that and, and I don't see the Steelers like I I am down on the Browns more so than I was three mm. weeks ago but I still believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the outside looking in trying to get into the playoffs like I do not think that this team makes the playoffs in 2023 unless the Browns completely implode because I think not that they're not going to take some strides, but the AFC is just a really difficult division. And as a result, Steelers are still going to be in situations where they're going to have to pass the ball and play from behind. And I just am a buyer on George Pickens to score more touchdowns than he's being projected. Yeah, no, I love that you brought up um, the the Kenny Pickens and George, uh, George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. How many times is, are people going to do that? Because, you know, I promised people today that we talk about some some post-hype sleepers. But, you know, George Pickens is the opposite, right? Like, he is being steamed up. And yeah. it's it scares me a little bit because, like, when you, you know how it is. Like, when you draft him in, like, best ball drafts, like in round eight, and then all of a sudden he's going in, like, round five or six. Like, you don't want to pay the freight, but you're saying it still might be worth it there. Like, so just juxtapose him with, for a minute with Deontay Johnson. I want to stick with this because I had Deontay Johnson listed as one of my post-type sleepers for one of the reasons you talked about. The 145 targets, zero touchdowns. Career-wise, Deontay's been around seven touchdowns. I know that was a different quarterback, but what? who would you rather have in fantasy given that what you just talked about with Pickens? Is it Deontay Johnson or is it George Pickens? Just from a fantasy perspective based on the research you've done. Yeah, well, that's tough because, unfortunately, I don't have the level of expertise as you do right now off the cuff. I'm focusing more on the betting side of things. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you. Obviously, the biggest thing with fantasy or betting is what is the price? Like, I am big on George Pickens catching over three and a half touchdowns at minus 150 juice because 
I know that that's what the line is. But mm. if you told me that the line for George Pickett is he's going to catch over five and a half touchdowns, or over six and a half touchdowns, I'm not so bullish on that type of a number. And so it matters what the average draft position right now is for both of these players. Um, and I believe that we are going to see some touchdown regression. Uh, Rich wrote an article on the Steelers passing attack with regard to them having some positive regression in both passing the football more near the end zone and obviously having better success with some of these touchdowns. Uh, Pickett threw nine touchdown passes inside of the 10-yard line. Only one of those was a touchdown. That's the lowest rate of any team in the NFL. Obviously, Deontay Johnson was the target on a number of those, but just in general, this passing attack did not have a lot of success down there. And I also, you know, the number I'm now looking at my notes was I said 61%. It's 64% early down pass rate inside the 15-yard line in 2021. That was number one in the NFL last season. They dropped way down to 38%, from 64% to 38%. I absolutely see that number rising a bit, especially when you look at, you know, I I just don't see Najee Harris. He he struggled a little bit. Um, I know he's dealing with an injury to start last season, but he just has not been the type of player that was worthy of that first round draft pick. And as Kenny Pickett uh, has a little bit more experience and they start trusting him and they see the receiving talent that they've got, I absolutely think that they're going to up their passing touchdowns. So I can't on a fantasy perspective based on average draft position, I can't necessarily lobby for Pickens over uh, Deontay Johnson. And in fact, what, what you're, point was that i don't know enough about obviously i disagree with you i think you do know enough about it i you know you're telling me pickens has risen tremendously uh from an average draft position and i can just tell you from a betting perspective this is absolutely what what i try to avoid and what i try to sell like if if there's a line on a player like let's pretend it's george pickens touchdowns and if george pickens touchdowns starts out in June when they first post the numbers at three and a half Mm -hmm. and by late August, after all this hype, it's up to five and a half. I'm not betting over George Pickens touchdowns. The value was once there. The value is no longer there. You need to learn how to walk away and Mm -hmm. attack other players because I don't believe in playing what we call in sports betting world, playing that steam so long after it's occurred and trying to get in on somebody when his draft position has risen tremendously. There has to be a damn good reason why it's risen as much as it has. And then in order to actually see success, this is one of the things that I think um, in fantasy you have to realize is that. Before we continue our conversation, I want to tell you about Fantrax. Fantrax is excited to announce the Fantrax Game Day Experience Giveaway. Fantrax will be sending one lucky fantasy football league to a regular season NFL game of their choice with 6000 bucks towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is create and join a league on Fantrax. The more leagues you join and create, the more chances you have to win. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it their permanent home for all of their fantasy leagues. Go to Fantrax.com slash rotowire that's r-o-t-o-w-i-r-e fantracks.com slash rotowire and sign up today if you're just drafting a guy at his average draft position and that's what he ends up producing that year you're not putting yourself ahead of the competition like george pickens not only has to beat the draft position that or sorry not only has to be worthy of the several rounds of 
rising that he's done. But he has to do even better than that for you to actually get a value at where you're taking him. And as a result, like I just think it's probably not worth it at this point in time, even though I like George Pickens uh, a lot this season. I'm here with Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis, and he's here talking about the 2023 uh, football preview, which you can go and follow him uh, on his Twitter, on his X, whatever we're calling it nowadays, and he's got it linked there. You could buy it right from there. Uh, and then, by the way, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Circa, Fantrax, and Rival Fantasy. We're grateful uh, for their support. Warren, you were talking about um, – like George, the the projections and like what what happened last year and and relating it to what happens this year. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver on the Detroit Lions, in some of these like high stakes leagues, is now being pushed up to the first round. He seems more comfortable as a second round pick. Now, one of the interesting things I I read about him was that he was tackled a league high, I think like six or seven times inside the five yard line, and he's been five and six touchdowns in his first two years. What did you see from the Detroit Lions and specifically Amon Ross St. Brown that we could take away and you know and and bring into this year, both from a team and and uh, his production perspective? Yeah, so Amon Ra is obviously like the talk of the town. I know that uh, Matthew Berry put him out there as some big his his player of the year, basically. Um, and I absolutely do think you know from from a prop perspective that St. Brown has some value here. But the way that I'm per- personally choosing to attack St. Brown, specifically in the betting market, is like his alt touchdown, which is eight plus receiving touchdowns. You can get that at plus 220. Uh, his normal number is over five and a half. So he lands six. You're getting like a pretty standard, like minus 115, I think, payout. But I want to take the better case scenario that he ends up having a bigger season than some people are expecting because – there is a lot of upheaval with regard to the Lions wide receiver room after it comes to St. Brown. Uh, you know, they don't not they do not have that depth there at the wide receiver position. Um, they obviously are going to be without their draft pick from last year, who they thought was going to come back. Now he's suspended for the first six games at Jameson Williams. And Williams is also dealing with this hamstring injury. He played the first game, has not played any game since. Uh, He came back late last season. He had, I believe, one touchdown pass, uh, one touchdown catch the entire, like, last six weeks of last season. Obviously, he's going to be utilized more, and they're excited about what he brings to the offense. But there's a chemistry element with all of this, especially with a very young player. And beyond St. Brown, there's really not much left in that wide receiver room. They're going to be using a little bit more 12 personnel. They're go, they're go excited about like Sam Laporta. They're going to try to incorporate a little bit more tight end passing. But we're talking about you know Sam Laporta, who's also a rookie. We're talking about Jameer Gibbs catching the ball a little bit more out of the backfield, playing that DeAndre Swift role from last season. But again, Gibbs, though much more explosive, though a better player probably at this stage in his career than Swift is, uh, absolutely still has a lot to work on because he also is a rookie. Um, and so for all of these reasons, I just think the guy that the quarterback is going to trust when it counts, which is scoring down there inside of the red zone, is probably going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I looked, uh, we, we know that the other factor here, one of the things that I try to do, it's not scientific, but when you're betting on these games or thinking about football, these are players, these are people, 
These are teams like organisms, living, breathing, a lot of different things go on there that affects it. It's not all necessarily pure science. And one of the factors here is I think that there was a, a, an element of this team, especially with Dan Campbell, who Dan Campbell came there. He's a very emotional guy. And he knows his team feeds off of, uh, fed off of Jamal Williams. And Jamal Williams got all these touchdowns, 17 rushing touchdowns, including 13 rushing touchdowns inside of the two-yard line. This is a player who obviously was, was, was a spark plug for this team. They loved giving him those touchdowns to make the whole team, that offensive line, feel really good. I obviously think that they've got David Montgomery, who at this stage in his career, I believe, is probably a better running back than Jamal Williams was. David Montgomery certainly could get a lot of those touches, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to just feed David Montgomery consistently down there. Uh, he's not Jamal Williams. He's not the same player. He doesn't bring that same passion to the team. I think there might be more upside for them to throw the football a little bit more down inside of the red zone. Um, and I believe that St. Brown is going to have the upside in touchdowns this year. This team plays the 24th most difficult schedule of past defenses. So it's not a very difficult schedule of past defenses. I like to, in the book, you know, two of the things that I, that I do that uh, are useful for somebody who's going out to buy the book. Number one is uh, I do all of the rest edges on a weekly basis. And you can mm. see that on the first page of every single team chapter. So you can go to like week three, week Re six. Repeat, repeat that again, because that's important. So the rest edges, just explain what that exactly is in layman's terms, just so you understand and how it applies to when you're, you're making your bets or picking your fantasy players. Just I want to uh, underline that one part, Warren. Yeah, it's, it's actually very important. So um, I started looking into this when I started to realize that when the NFL is divvying up these scheduled games, their main focus, although they try to say it's, uh, it's a sport that we rotate schedules every single year, we've got this formula planned in ahead that this division is going to play that division, and we know that years in advance, um, they don't actually try to, as hard as it, 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 it should be, try to make things competitive and fairly balanced and equitable across the league in terms of the rest. And by that, we're talking about team A plays on Monday night, team B played on Thursday, and then team A is traveling to team B and playing that team on a Sunday. Well, team A is off of a rest disadvantage. They played Monday night, potentially on the road. That is a very difficult situation to be in. I've talked to a lot of coaches. They do not like playing those road games mm. in prime time. They get home super late, and then their week of prep is off. Meanwhile, this other team is working off of a mini buy, And so that's a several-day rest edge. And these rest edges add up over the course of the season. They also are more impactful later on in the season, naturally, when teams are a little bit more tired. Every single player is getting some sort of treatment uh, after games conclude because there's bumps and bruises and bangs and nobody's at 100% late in the year. And it's harder to get that treatment in and then travel on these shorter schedules when you're playing at a rest disadvantage. And so there's two ways that it factors in primarily. The, and, and this does trickle down into fantasy to an extent. The first way uh, it plays in is on a yearly basis. What is your net rest edge? How many games do you have rest edges over mm. your opponent? And add that up over the course of the year. How many games do you have a rest disadvantage? And on, I think it's page six of the book, 
I charted it all out and I put a little table graphic there. Are the uh, are the rest edges like the? I figure Vegas knows what they're doing. Do they bake that into the spread at all? Is it worth a half a point if a team's at a rest disadvantage on a specific game? No. The fu- the fu- the odd part is now there's two different ways to look at the spreads of the game because the spreads of the game um, you have these look ahead lines mm-hmm. that get posted. Like you can bet any single game. You could bet Week 14 Packers at Vikings right now if you want to, or you get closer to the game and and the limits are not great but they're right. they're okay then you get closer to the game you know the week of the game where they reopen the lines after sunday night and now the limits are substantially higher and you could get even more money down and the game ha- will occur you know seven days from now basically um in in the first situation where they're setting these lines like well in advance one of the things that the sports books have tried to do is they try to beat one another to the market they want people to come to bet at their sports book, right? The whole thing is sort of like a promotion. So you mentioned like Circus Sports. You mentioned uh, some other, I think another sports book potentially. But yep. sports books try to come out with these lines real early. Well, it takes me like to get all the data and crunch all the data for the rest edges a while. You know, I'm talking like over 24 hours to do this. Whereas they're coming out with the lines on their games like later that night or first thing the next day. And there's no way that they are factoring in the rest edges enough on these look ahead lines uh, be- after this immediately after the schedule comes out on like week 15, week 16 game. When we get closer to the game week of game and that sort of thing, I do think there's an element of that that gets incorporated, but I don't know that there's a specific science to, Oh, well you played on Thursday and the other team played Monday. And so the rest edge should be X in terms of a point spread adjustment. Um, I think that there's minor tweaks that they might incorporate. I also think then the betters take over. And when the betters start running with a talking point, now sports betting is much more discussed media, like across the media, coast to coast. And so, you know, a certain guy has an interesting talking point or an interesting nugget on the rest edge. He starts talking about it on a Tuesday that then gets, you know, matriculates out and everybody starts talking about Wednesday, Thursday, and then the line gets adjusted by the, all these bettors who hear about this, you know, unique rest situation and start betting into it. So eventually, yes, it does get incorporated by game day, in my opinion, Mm. if enough people are talking about it, but I absolutely do not think that it's baked in enough. And I can tell you that because I've been betting some of these things over the years and I've gone back and studied rest edges and there is an element of, you know, beating the point spread by more than what you should be able to from flipping coins. You know, you have to on a minus 110, you have to beat 52.38 percent of your bets. You can't go 50 50. You'll lose money. You have to win at least 52.4 percent. But where you can hit betting just pure rest uh, situations over 53 percent, over 54 percent. Um, it's not going to hit you like 60, 70%, but it will help increase your uh, win rate. And it's certainly something that you could just bet later on in the season. I don't believe in just purely betting rest edge. I think you need to factor it just in. like strength the schedule, just like a lot of injuries, a lot of other things. It's a factor. It is a consideration that you must incorporate uh, and you'll have more success when you start to do that. But I list that out for every single team. And I also list out, um, all the random different strength of schedules, not just like, well, this team's got the third hardest, this team's got the fourth easiest, but I'm going through and I'm looking at, you know, what kind of pass rushes are you going to face this year? What kind of uh, run defenses are you going to face this year? Because all of that is very important when you are trying to project like 
Amon Ross St. Brown or, or, or somebody else. Like if you look at the New York Giants, this is a team they didn't have very many passing touchdowns last year. This is a team that um, struggled. Uh, they, they were efficient inside of the red zone because of the play calling, because they were having Daniel Jones run the football a little bit more because they were getting more out of their rushing attack. They do have better players there. I love the acquisition of Darren Waller at 12 personnel. I think it's going to open up some things. Do you, for do you think dogs. Waller and Daniel Jones, those, cause those guys, you know, they're, they're way down the rankings to Waller's like the tight end six or seven and Daniel Jones, nobody wants him in single quarterback leagues. I like him as up. Are those guys based on what you're telling me, could they be considered post type sleepers for this season? Well, the problem is they play the number one toughest schedule of past defenses this year. Um, and last year they played the 19th toughest. And so that's in the book as well. Mm. They play this. It's the second toughest jump year over year in strength of schedule for a passing offense of any team in the NFL. And, you know, you look at the defenses that they're going to be playing. Last year they got to play the AFC South. Last year they got to play. Um, the NFC North in a down year for that division in general, right? Because Minnesota wasn't 13 and three and the Green Bay Packers were worse than they typically are. Um, and then the Lions defense was still terrible and the Bears are just coming along, but they're not great. This year they play in the AFC East, which are filled with, you know, the Jets. You've seen them on hard knocks. That front is incredible. That defense is solid. The Patriots, the uh, Dolphins and the Bills all very solid defenses. And then they also play the NFC West. And though the NFC West is taking a step back with regard to some of their offenses, and I think the Rams defense to an extent, you still have decent defenses across the board, average to slightly above average in some cases, and the 49ers are really good. So um, it's a much more difficult schedule than they played last season. Now, the Giants obviously know this, and they also know that they – we're very fortunate in some regards to have the final record that they did. They were trailing too often in games at halftime. They need to come out and start a lot faster. They need to emphasize building leads so that they can play from ahead because it's so much easier when you're playing from ahead and your entire playbook is open in that third and fourth quarter and you can run or pass. Whereas the situation they found them in last year was they were in a pass only mode in a lot of these fourth quarters and trying to come from behind and hope the opposing team's offense makes a mistake. They get the ball back and then they can score, make something happen uh, on, on their side of things. So I think the Giants know that. I think the Giants are going to have a more efficient passing attack. I do think Daniel Jones will throw more than, uh, what, 15 touchdowns last year. Uh, right. I think he's going to throw more than that this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been, you know, buying the Darren Waller hype only yes. if, if, if yes. only because I think that what a lot of teams are starting to figure out is that 12 personnel to pass the football is – one of the great counter punches to defenses using more too high. And these extra tight ends on the field really make it more difficult. They run the routes in the places that are easier to attack in 12 personnel. And they're matchup because, nightmares, right? Like, I mean, the Darren, who, what linebacker is going to cover a healthy Darren Waller? It just can't happen. Exactly. And so you look at you look at Waller as long as he stays healthy, which you used a great word there, which is hard to predict in fantasy and in betting and you know NFL futures, all these types of things. Like you just have to kind of decide what your level of comfort <laughs> with the unknown is and then just march forward. But with regard to Darren Waller, no doubt about it. I mean, the New York Giants were much more efficient uh, when they had a guy like Daniel Bellinger out there. 
the first several weeks of the season. And that's not a household name. Nobody's probably drafting him in fantasy. He was a, you know, unheralded player last season. And most people around the league probably didn't know who he was. But when he was out on the field, whether he was being the target of passes or he made defenses get into adjustments to account for him being there, not that they're like scheming to take away Daniel Bellinger, but just his presence on the field as a tight end, depending on where he gets lined up. That absolutely helped this offense. And when he went down with an injury, he, he had his eye scratched against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they struggled uh, for several weeks as a result of not having that tight end there. So I definitely believe that um, having Darren Waller, I'm, a big, I'm big on Daniel Wall, uh, Darren Waller. Now, I'm not betting on any of Darren Waller's futures. Because of the injury risk, right? Because of that injury risk? Like the a over... Little bit, a little bit, but also because I just don't see... Um, enough value. I don't love betting a lot of overs. Like I will pick and choose the favorite overs that I have because it's so much easier when you're betting unders. Unders generally hit at a higher rate. Less people want to bet unders and you right. don't have to worry about the injury risk. It actually works in your favor yeah. to do that. And I got, I got very fortunate last year. I mean, I went, I want to say like seven and two in, in preseason player props and like 15 and four or five overall, like it was a really good year. But one of the ones that I should have lost was uh, Brees Hall. I mm. bet it's under in rushing yards last year, and he was on a path to absolutely obliterate that number. Uh, but then he got injured, and I was able to cash a ticket that should have been a surefire loser uh, being on the total wrong side of a bet just because you bet the under. So that well, you that's can, the ripcord, though. That's the, the escape hatch, the injury thing. I mean, that's always on your side when you bet the under. I yeah. The year after Mahomes did the 50-plus touchdowns, whatever it was, 55, 58, whatever it was, I took over 35-and-a-half touchdowns. Complete sucker bet, right? I was like, he's going to kill this. He got hurt, missed four games. I was dead. I was dead right there. So I like what you said there. I just want to pause right here for one second, Warren. We're going to take a short break. And we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about your process for writing the 532-page opus. And then we'll get back to some of our post-high sleepers. Some of the teams that Warren thinks are undervalued in the betting markets as well. We'll be right back after this. Have you been to Circa Las Vegas, the hotel and sports book? They have the biggest pro football contests, including Circa Millions and Survivor. They are back with guaranteed prize pools that are bigger than ever. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Circa Million has $1 million top prize guaranteed and $6 million in total prizes. You pick five teams against the spread every week. Quarterly and full season payouts, 100% payback to the players. The Survivor Contest has at least $8 million guaranteed. Can you pick the winner? How about 20? Select one team each week straight up. Last the longest, win it all. Visit CircaSports.com for more details. I want to tell everyone about Rival Fantasy for a place to play head-to-head -head fantasy football games without huge tournament salary caps or complicated game types. Then Rival Fantasy is where you want to be this NFL season. For a twist on the classic fantasy bingo game where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo. To head-to-head -head fantasy challenges where you pick up two players who will score more fantasy points, this is the best for fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering a new user $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. And we're back. 
with the Rotowire Fantasy Football and Sports Betting Podcast. I'm Alan Sislowski of Rotowire.com, along with Warren Sharp, who's here talking about his uh, two, 2023 football preview, which you can buy right now, uh, right on his, you just go to his Twitter, uh, at SharpFootball, or go to SharpFootballAnalysis.com. I'm sure you can get it both there. And this is something that it doesn't matter if you're into sports betting, if you're just someone that you that used to love to read the, the the football almanac, right? That was like one of my favorite toilet reads right there. I'd go there and just flip through all the stats right there. Um, the, would you say that this is a good book to read on the toilet, Warren? I mean, this, this is a perfect kill yeah, time? It's, 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 it's a great <laughs> book. The one thing that's a little bit different about this book than than some others that you look at is – I've tried to make this because as I'm working with some teams, I realize that, you know, coaches or players, like it's about all about short attention span. You have to be able to love, deliver information quickly. So I focused on incorporating a lot of colored graphics into this and, and individual um, elements that you can easily like flip through every team as a chapter, like 15, 16 pages long, where I'm trying to tell you what I think is going to happen to this team this upcoming season. But you're able to flip through there, not just like read words on a page, page after page, turn in black and white text. You're seeing a lot of graphics and information. I got all the point spreads in there for every single game. I got all the rest edges in there, strength of schedule in there for all, every single team that's playing. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot in there for each team. It's easy to digest. So last year, if you could have talked to almost anyone on the street, they would have told you Seattle is going to be one of the doormats in the league. What happens? We underpriced uh, Geno Smith, and the Seattle is you know is one of the better teams, one of the surprise teams. And you talked about earlier in in this podcast about how Minnesota was like a little bit of a frugazi. The record didn't tell the story. Who, there's there's a few teams here. I'm talking about Arizona, Houston, and maybe a couple others that people have basically penciled off as no shot in the world. Is there a team this year, when you looked at the team totals, for example, and I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or anything, but who do you, based uh, when you compare narrative to the numbers that you've researched in your book, looks like they're a complete underpriced, meaning to the positive. Who's going to be better than that total, and it's an easy smash for you, based on the research you did? Well, the Atlanta Falcons are the, are that team for me this year. Um, I bet them at over eight to, to, to go over eight. So if they hit eight, I push. I need them to win nine to win the bet. Uh, I also bet them to make the playoffs. That was at plus money because they're not expected to make the playoffs. But I, I took that bet. Um, I also bet them to win the NFC South. That price was obviously a lot higher because the Saints are supposed to win the NFC South. But I took a shot on the, the Falcons, that. and so you bet a little bit less on that to win even more. Um, so the big bet I'm looking to hit is over eight wins, hoping that they get to the playoffs or win the South, and then it's just like a windfall at that point. But I think this is a team that has several things going for it. Um, one of the things that I do with the book, and I'll just give you a hint. You, you definitely plug the site and the Twitter. The other easy way if people just want to do it, we created a URL sharp.football you can just hit sharp.football and you're Do able that. to get in there way easier. a lot quicker yeah. and then also another thing to remember uh the code word august it's august right now enter code word august you get eight dollars off the book so there's two things for you um with the atlanta falcons one thing that i do i do this with every single team because i believe in the holistic build of these football teams i'm not looking to just dive into a single player uh like a Kyle Pitts and just start analyzing Kyle Pitts this year and who does he play and what did he do last year? I'm backing way up to try to understand 
why did Kyle Pitts struggle last year? What really went on with the Atlanta Falcons? And, and one of the things I do is look at uh, your cap hits, how much cap you're spending, where their cap is being allocated. And for the Atlanta Falcons, they had $84 million in dead cap last year. It was second most of any team in the league. That was more than what they spent on offense and more than what they spent on defense. So if you think of it this way, they spent more to have players play for other teams last year than they did on their own offense. So this was a challenge for them to try to build out a roster that's going to have enough talent to do anything when you're working with such a small cap hit that you can allocate to the offensive side of the football. For anybody who just watched like Marcus Mariota play, um, whether it was last year or what well, preseason, night. man, that it didn't look good yesterday. <laughs> it did not look good last night. Yeah. And uh, that's what the Falcons were dealing with last season, but they needed a quarterback who was at least veteran enough that could understand coaching and understand play calling um, who was also really cheap. Right. And enter Marcus Mariota is not hard. There's a few guys that fit that bill. They're not going to be elevators that are not going to help you, uh, but they aren't going to, um, they're going to fit your budget, right? It's like when you're trying to go shopping for some sort of food item and you can't afford the highest price one, you know, it's not going to be great, but you know, it's actually going to fit your budget. And you just try not to think about it too much when you're eating it as to what you could have had. Well, they got rid of all that dead cap last season. They, they had it last year. Now that's gone. They have one of the lower dead cap hits in the NFL. They're able to actually spend money on their team and their roster. And so they've built up their defense with a lot of names that are less household, but still impactful. And for that reason, I think a lot of people around the league are like, okay, well, where did, where did Jalen Ramsey sign? Unfortunate what happened with him going to Miami and the injury, but like, where did these big name players sign? Well, that's actually when you're talking about trying to build up a roster that needs a lot, you don't want to be spending on the highest priced players in free agency because you're basically spending on a new car the day that that car is released, that that model and that year is released or the latest iPhone. Like iPhone. I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say you, it. You aren't getting a discount on the top of the line items the very day it's released. And that's what you do in free agency. What you need to do is peck and choose and hunt around for a guy who's a little bit less noteworthy name recognition and those are the types of players that if you're going to sign in free agency and not draft, I prefer drafting. But obviously some teams, especially when you're changing regimes, like the Falcons are still in the midst of doing, that's who you're going to go after. And so they brought in some players on the defensive side of the ball to help them out a little bit. Um, this is a team we already talked about the struggles of uh, Marcus Mariota to an extent. But, you know, they scored four passing touchdowns from outside of the red zone last year. No, sorry, four total touchdowns from outside of the red zone. How does that compare to like what's what's like the league average in that in that area? Uh ish. It's ish. I I think it's probably like 16, 18. So this is that range. four four yeah, times less. Yeah. Four times less. It's gotten lower over the years because teams are having to matriculate closer the way the defenses are playing, but four is the lowest in the NFL. Okay. They scored, they had eight touchdown passes that traveled five plus yards. That was also the lowest in the NFL. I'll tell you the, the highest, I believe, was like the Buffalo Bills at 27. Mm. So they were down at eight passes that traveled. We're down at five yards, like a five yard touchdown pass. It's not that deep, right? And that's, they had only eight of those, the lowest in the NFL. In part, that was because Marcus Mariota was absolutely terrible 
trying to throw the ball down the field. He had the worst accuracy out of 39 qualifying quarterbacks on passes that threw 15 plus yards. The worst accuracy on passes that threw uh, traveled 20 plus yards down the field. And so they couldn't hit these explosive plays. Thus, they couldn't score from outside of the red zone. So they had to work the ball into the red zone to score their touchdowns. And when they were doing that, Marcus Mariota actually not very good at throwing the football into the end zone. Um, I was looking at, uh, he ranked, third worst in accuracy and number 32 in EPA per drop back on passes thrown into the end zone. So he was bad on explosive plays and he was bad near the end zone. And so what else you got? You got field goal attempts, right? Like there's not much else or running the football in. And as a result, the bottom line is like Desmond Ritter, say what you want about some of the tape that's come out in the preseason. He, he simply can't be worse than Marcus Mariota. He can't, there's, there's an upside there and there's an element there where he can't be worse. So you're getting probably something better with him. You're also having a better roster. Um, I like the element. I hated it from a value perspective because looking back at the analysis about the Atlanta Falcons last year, they had the number one rushing attack. They were the most predictable team on first downs running the football. They invited loaded boxes to come in and they still kept running the football at a high rate. That's annoying. I, I hate that type of uh, it shows that you're not really trying to take advantage of the defensive weakness. However, if it works, then I'll back off my criticism a bit. And for the Falcons, it worked. They had the number one rushing attack, even though they were like, we're going to run the ball. Defense is new. They stacked the box and Atlanta still had the most efficient rushing attack. And that was without even wasting a first round pick, a top 10 pick on Bijan Robinson. So I didn't think that they needed him. However, now that they've got him, there's a lot of things that they can do with him in the receiving game, in the running game, in the creativity game. I know Cordero Patterson's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I'm big on Tyler Algier having a decent season too, but like Bijan Robinson can play a lot of different roles for the Atlanta Falcons and should help this attack and help Desmond Ritter as well. So, I mean, there's a couple of props. Um, I actually, so I'm big on the Atlanta Falcons this year. I think their schedule is easy enough. I think that they're well coached enough. Think about it this way. There were three, sorry, there were only two teams in the NFL that were in more games last year than the Atlanta Falcons. And those were the Kansas city chiefs and the Buffalo bills. What do I mean by in more games? I mean, you either won your game or you lost it by no more than one score. So you were always like there. You could have won it at the end with one possession. The Falcons were in 15 of 17 games, 15 of 17. And, and that was with Marcus Mariota, $84 million right. in dead cap. That tells me it's coaching. They were bad inside the red zone. That's going to improve. They're going to have more explosive plays. This is an offense that's going to score more points. And, like, there's no single driver to wins in the NFL, not even turnovers, turnover margin. The number one driver to wins in the NFL is scoring points. And this is a team that I've pegged for scoring more points than what they did last season. It's kind of obvious, but I do think that that's going to happen for them. And as a result, I, I think there, there's upside. Now, I am not necessarily bullish on the entire roster. Like, I absolutely think that one of the guys who does some props for me at the site, he likes Bijan Robinson's rushing touchdowns under. Under. It's like under nine what? And a half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is he thinks that there's just not going to be enough opportunities. Desmond Ritter's probably going to throw the football a little bit more than they did last year with Marcus Mariota because he wasn't as good. Also, we're going to see some more passing touchdowns uh, from deeper 
So we aren't going to matriculate the ball down inside the five where a lot of teams just want to run the football. We're going to see some passes that come from the 18 or 22 yard line that are going to score touchdowns. Also, Bijan is very useful in the passing game. So he might still be like a great fantasy buy, although I know he's priced like astronomically. But you got to pay a first round pick for him. Yeah, he's still going to score those touchdowns, and maybe some of them are coming through the air. But with the depth that they have at the running back position, it's just hard for him to get the number of touches down near the goal line to score all of those touchdowns. Yeah. But um, I personally haven't bet that yet. That's one of his ones that he likes. Uh, but I also like Desmond Ritter over 14 and a half passing touchdowns. Ooh, I've said so many different things about Marcus Mariota last season uh, just now. But he still had 15 passing touchdowns, and he did that in only 13 games because he they, they put Ritter in late in the season. So, you know, I'm not suggesting go out from a fantasy perspective and, and, and draft Desmond Ritter high in the draft. But if you're in like a super deep league and you need somebody there, super I think there's a chance that he will exceed his – ADP, his current market expectations, simply because I think this team is going to surprise some people with how explosive they can be. I think this team is going to have some bigger plays through the air. And so you can come back, you know, halfway through the season if you want and and see if the Atlanta Falcons were more explosive this season and, and they're getting some bigger pass plays than what Marcus Mariota was delivering, because I absolutely think that's going to be a possibility here. Yeah, that we were we started that conversation talking about underpriced teams, and I love that you gave some really good uh, analysis about not just the team itself, Atlanta, with the overtotal, but in the individual players and and the betting markets on them. I want to switch with our with our last few minutes over to one of the better teams, Buffalo Bills, and specifically, uh, you know. Uh, they're wide receivers. Everyone loves Steph Diggs, but it's Gabriel Davis that was, I, I'm going to call him a post-hype sleeper in a sense where last year he was in fantasy drafts, uh, you know, being like a third-round pick, and now people don't even want him. He goes in like the eighth round, and you're you're not really happy to take him. So what are you seeing with the Bills passing game given the influx of, of the rookie tight end, and specifically for Gabriel Davis because – I think he has a chance to really break it out this year and be a post-hype sleeper. What do the numbers tell you that you've looked at? This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved. 
to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So um, there's two, two interesting things. Interesting that you brought up this team because I just finished an article. I'm finally getting back to writing. Um analytical articles for my website for a couple of years i took my writing and went other places to more prominent um spots to write but they wanted like a lot of sports betting uh analysis and i didn't get a lot of the analytical type things it is my true passion you're back to your true love isn't it great i'm back to to my true (laughs) love i'm I'm now back at my own website writing about whatever i want whenever i want and uh, i'm really going to be writing about betting during the season but i'm still going to be able to take time to write about some of the um, some of the more analytically curious things that pop up that don't really have anything to do with with betting. And so when I'm looking, I looked at the Buffalo Bills, and one of the crazy things about the Buffalo Bills um, is the fact that this team's red zone, sorry, this team's goal line offense. So they and the Kansas City Chiefs, the two best offenses in the NFL over the last several years. There's no arguing that these two teams, number one and number two, in virtually every single metric that you can imagine. Um, I think, let me pull up a couple here. Uh, EPA per play, success rate, early down efficiency, third down conversions, points scored per drive, total points scored. And as a result, they both have the most wins of any team in the NFL over the last two years. However, the difference is key down at the goal line where Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills rank dead last, if you can believe it, dead last in efficiency down at the goal line, inside the three-yard line. They have the worst offense in the NFL over the last two years. And I, it's, How it's is that like possible? Shock. It's a shock and it's hard <laughs> to believe, um, but they, worse than the Colts, who are number 31, worse than the Packers, surprisingly, who are number 30. That's your worse than the Raiders and the Bears. This team was terrible. And two of the main factors that I identified in this article that I wrote was Josh Allen's completion rate and the time to throw. They do not have, and I contrasted them 
with the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously are a number one offense like over the rest of the field, just like the Bills are the number two. But the Chiefs are great down at the goal line and the Bills are terrible down at the goal line. And so I put together some film on the differences between the two. And this offense just needs some different play designs and they need to get rid of the ball out of Josh Allen's hands a lot quicker. He's got one of the longest time to throw in the NFL down inside the three yard line. Whereas Patrick Mahomes is one of the quickest time to throw the goal inside that three yard line is a completion. It is a, because a completion is probably scoring a touchdown. So how do you complete a pass down there? And most often it's by getting the ball out of your quarterback's hands quickly to a receiver who's running around and gets there a hair before the defense has a chance to fill that void. And that is absolutely what the bills need to focus on. So for those reasons, I think that the entire bills offense, think about it this way, the second best offense, they scored the second most points of any team the last two years, but they've had the worst goal line offense. So I believe that if they focus on some of these things, if Ken Dorsey goes in there and tries to quote unquote fix some of their goal line struggles, this team has a chance to score even more points, score the most points of any team in the NFL this upcoming season. Gabe Davis is a guy who obviously he's not like the Steph Diggs get open real quick down there, but he's that taller target that they need to figure out easier ways to just get him open, even on some of those plays that are down at the goal line, as opposed to needing to utilize him on the deeper passes to try to score from distance. Because like I mentioned earlier, the Buffalo Bills, 27 touchdowns of five or longer pass yards. That's the most of any team in the NFL. Those will still be there, but those are a little bit harder to score. You've got to figure out a way to get some of these targets completed down closer to the end zone. And I think Gabe Davis, with his height and his physical advantages over some defenders, should be able to play a little bit of a better role in that if they're getting rid of the ball quicker, use a little bit more pick concepts, and and try to figure out other ways to uh, punch the ball into the end zone. The Buffalo Bills do play a very difficult defense uh, schedule of defenses this year. Uh, obviously, their own division is, is a challenge. But if you think about you know this team still – struggles to run the football. They're still one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league, but they won 13 games last year. They went 13-3. and They didn't play that extra game. So this is a team that may not necessarily win 13 games. They're in a tough division and a tough conference. Um, I like the Bills. Like I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I was looking for reasons to try to fade this team earlier this offseason. I wanted to see if I could figure out a way to bet against the Buffalo Bills. But their over-under was not high enough for me to want to bet bet the under because I did feel like this team is probably going to win. Uh, 11, what's the, what's the lowest number that they'd win? Maybe assuming Josh Allen doesn't get hurt, which you could do the same uh, exercise for every team in the league. So you got to push that to the side. Assuming Josh Allen doesn't get hurt, what is the floor of this team? Nine, ten, like at the bare minimum. So, like their win total is ten and a half. I absolutely see too many situations where they're probably right around ten to eleven in a in a median case outcome, and with upside of winning a couple more. But like they're probably not going thirteen and three in in terms of their their games this year, in my opinion. And as a result, that's going to create more passing volume in general if they're closer in some of these games. You always got to focus on what the weather is like up there and how many games they play outdoors, how many games they play at home late in the season. But I believe that the Buffalo Bills passing attack this season, especially with what Josh Allen was dealing with 
late last year after he got his elbow uh, sprained against the Jets. I think the Bills passing attack could be and should be more exciting this season and put up more points this year. And thus, that should raise the tide for all the ships there, including Gabe Davis. Uh, with this massive project that you take on every year, what, what time of the day, I'm just curious, is your deep work time? Like, when do you do your best writing for this book? Are you, like, up all night or is it early in the morning? I'm always fascinated with people that, that just go hard like this and put out a book uh, of 500 and plus pages, 532 pages. So what time of the day are you doing the most here? So I don't know what the right answer is, like when you're supposed to do that. There is no right answer. For for me, the right answer is I do it in the evening, like late, late at night. Now I'm, I'm working all day. I don't stop. But the problem is there's a call here. There's a meeting there. There's different things that distract me during the day. I've got a family. I'll go grab dinner, et cetera. But at night, like I can get like six, seven hours until like two, 3 a.m. where I'm just focused on work. Now, during the season, that's my schedule as well. Um, I don't get a lot of sleep. What time do you wake up? What time in the morning do you wake up? So normally it's like around 7.15, 7.30. If I'm going up till 3 a.m., then that gets pushed back a little bit by like 45 minutes or so. But normally I'm I'm trying to – I just don't get a lot of sleep in general. But I'm also not like when I used to work in the city and 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 have a job where I had to go in. I was on the finance guy, well, right? You were finance. I, guy? I was an engineer. Engineer, civil okay. Civil engineering. So I was getting into my office. I was like the first one inside the building. I was trying to be there before six thirty a.m. and I was getting there early and sometimes working out at the gym and then being at my desk at six thirty. One of the first people at the office. Uh, but now. Like And then I would leave and try to fight traffic home. Now, there is no traffic. I work from my home office. And so I can stay up as late as I want to working on these things. And um, I, I love it. I do it during the season. And in the off season, it's really when I'm writing the book, it's really no different. Um, then I do take breaks. Like before I start getting hardcore into the book writing, I, I can go to bed a little bit earlier. And then after the book's done for about a month when I'm going to the beach, hanging out, things like that. I'm going to bed a lot earlier than 3 a.m. But while uh, I'm in mode of writing, it's 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 hours on end. And I, I love it, though, because I love researching things. And I put a lot of pressure on myself because there's high standards for this book. Uh, people want to get this book and do two things with it. A, they want to win game. They want to win something from this book. Like they want to take the price that they put on this book. They want to get value. They want to get something back. They want to get yeah. that value. So they're looking for either futures that win. They're looking for fantasy guys that I'm like leaning towards that are going to help them or like Rich is leaning towards. And we share tons of information in the book that's going to help you do that. But secondly, beyond just like pointing you in the direction and, and giving you that fish, it's also trying to teach you something about this team that nobody else is talking about. Why did they do what they did last year? How did this happen? What were they doing here? What might they need to work on? Because I want not only just like a regular fan of the Buffalo Bills or the Cleveland Browns to pick this up and read this bill. Holy cow, why was my team doing this last year when we should have been doing that? I actually want the coaching staffs to of those teams to look at this and say, wow, this is pretty interesting. I didn't know this before. So I have very high standards for what I put into the book and how I analyze each team. Um, and thus, I take it extremely, extremely seriously because I know the audience that I'm writing towards 
is is not only just a regular casual football fan who wants to bet on a couple of games, but is also some of these players, uh, sorry, some of these coaches, uh, the office coordinators, uh, some of the guys in the front offices of these teams and general managers. I, I know who reads this book. And so um, I have very high standards for what I put in here. Uh, and I take it very seriously while I'm writing it. Do you want to work for an NFL team? I mean, obviously everything has a number on it. And I know you have your passion project, but is is there a, a do you see that in your future working for, say, like the New York Giants as doing what you do? Well, it, it, it's a that's a complicated question because um, I have worked for teams. Uh, I do work for teams as in a consultant role where I'm outside the building submitting reports. Mm. Um, and I've enjoyed that work a lot. I have been offered positions inside the building to to work full time for a team around the clock. Two, two, two massive drawbacks to that. Um, number one, um, it's the money, like you just said. Like it, these teams still don't pay those types of positions enough. I'd be giving up a lot of money, and I, I also be giving up my ability to do what I'm currently doing, which is betting on these games, running a gambling-focused uh, business, and those types of things. You'd have so, to be all in. You'd have to. I'd, be have, all to, in. I'd have to yeah. be all in, and that. So that would be years down the road. Fortunately for me, I've gotten very close relationships with several several uh, coaches that have risen through the ranks around the league. And um, it would it, easy, easy for me once I decided I'm done with this public side of business and I just want to work for a team maybe years from now for me to like transition and go work with one of these guys and have a ton of fun and do the same level of grinding and passion that I have on the outside, just inside one singular building. But for right now, I love just helping them from a distance and and still doing all the business work that I do uh, publicly at Sharp Football and, and and writing and speaking and talking on camera and things of that nature. Yeah, Warren, you're a fascinating guy. I could talk to you for two hours. I've kept you already longer than I said I would. I, I would love for you to come back at some point. So and, you know, after the book is kind of like, you know, it's already it's in its cycle and just talk to you about like process and what you do, because I, I, I think you're an important um, voice in in football i mean you know i don't think that's a, a hot take right there but i'm just so curious about a little bit behind the scenes i'm going to put you on the spot with one question before we go is i didn't prep you for this so if you, if you want to pass that's fine but if you could change if roger goodell called you and said warren give us one rule we should change in the nfl to make it just a better experience it could be anything something small it could be something big but what you say right now we're going to implement tomorrow what's the rule change Warren Sharp, that you would tell Roger Goodell we should do? I'd make penalties reviewable, uh, just to, challengeable. Like you can challenge a penalty. It, it costs a challenge, but you can use it. I think there's one of the biggest things that, you know, I'm watching all the games. I've got my, I'm, I'm in my theater here. So I've got TV banks all around me. I've got my projection screen over my shoulder. Uh, this is like command central for me on game days. And I'm watching all these games. And then I'm tweeting things out about like, how they call this, you know, roughing the passer, how, the, how, how uh, this get uh, called is, you know, defensive pass interference. BS calls. Types, yeah. BS calls. Yeah. That is the single thing that like goes crazy on Twitter when something like that happens in a prime game. Yep. Like you could have a great catch and whatnot, and that's going to, but when you have a game changing call that gets screwed by the refs and there's absolutely nothing to do about that, that is a big time problem. And I know like in, in, all other leagues, you know, they have, they can review certain different things. 
And like with soccer, they have like this VAR and it's like, well, is it over the line or is it offsides? And now we're like, it's not just the ref's judgment. Let's go back and review it and just confirm it um, here. Like we don't have that type of technology to actually to, to, to do that and measure it scientifically. We have to go back with somebody else's eyeballs and confirm. Um, and so I'm a believer that obviously you can't just waste the game and challenge everything you want and make the games take a lot longer, but you should be able to challenge penalties, whether it's every single type of penalty out there or certain types of penalties. I'm not quite sure there, but yeah. challenging penalties for me would be the single thing that would probably improve fan experience the most because then they feel like their, their team isn't getting hosed uh, in certain situations. Yeah. And also, I mean, you, you left out the, the quiet part, which is when you have a thousand bucks on a game and a BS penalty goes against you and changes that spread. I mean, you, you want that. I mean, it very rarely, it seems like goes for you, right? When you have a, a $500 bet on a game. So yeah. Okay. So, but it would cost you, there has to be a cost of the challenge there because if not, we're going to be there six hours. It's already a tough to watch a standalone game as it is, but I like that. Let's, let's review penalties. What if, you know, again, hypothetically though, what if you do have a, a penalty, but it's like a way, like sometimes I don't like when they call holding that has nothing to do with the play on the opposite side of the field, but yeah, it leaves open a lot of interpretation, but I think your point stands. All right, Warren Sharp, you did it. You go see him at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Go check out the book, 2023 Football Preview. I highly recommend it. You can get it right now. What's that easy website they should go to to get it and the discount? Go to sharp.football and use the code AUGUST. You'll get $8 off. And there's still enough time here if you do it within the next week or so for you to plow through it and get a lot out of it. And it's also an interesting resource to utilize during the season, even if you don't read all 532 pages before the season starts because you'll get to see what the lines were initially you could see how much they've changed i talked about price changing over the course of uh the off season and when to buy and when to say okay this has changed too much well you can look at how the prices have changed on the on the lines you can look at the rest edges which are valuable and all that's there on a week-to-week basis so it's still something valuable during the season even if you don't get it all processed before then i love that you can like kind of just read it and then check you know check those predictions versus what actually happened if you enjoy videos like this everyone consider hitting the like button subscribe to the rotowire channel we'll be back Back next week with another fantasy football podcast. Oh, we had one question in the chat. You could do one word answer. You could say, I don't want to answer this, Warren. If you could work from one coach, who would it be? That was the question. Is there, if let's just say you, you won the, the, the $1.5 billion lottery, you could do whatever you want now. Who's the coach you'd want to work for? Uh, the coach I'd want to work for to learn the most probably would be Kyle Shanahan. The coach that I like to work for uh, that I think is a is a cool dude and would actually right. do some of the things um, that, that I'd be suggesting because that's one of the biggest issues that I've run into sometimes is when you work for a team and you're brought on as a consultant, but then if they're not utilizing some of the stuff that you're suggesting and then they're struggling and you can see how much it would work, <laughs> that, that doesn't, that's like a, a no, no goes. It's just a waste of time, right? right. To do it. Even though you're getting paid for it, it's just a waste of time. So if a coach who's actually going to utilize some of those things, uh, I am a cool dude overall, Brian Dayball. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Just going to be popular this year. All right, Warren, thanks again for coming on. We'll see everybody next week with another Fantasy Football Podcast. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.